What do you choose to partner with? What do you choose to partner with? We all partner with things in our life. But we have a choice to partner with things. Right, so for instance, the pew in which you sit, it's made of brown wood. That's, you partner with that idea with it, that it's brown. Why? Because when you were a child, you were taught it. So you accepted it. You partnered with it. It became part of your life. So now when you see that color, you say that's brown, you see the material, you say that's wood. I've partnered with that idea and it's become part of my life. There are other things that we partner with. Bigger things. How I view the world. Sometimes I think, well, my life, all the bad things are happening in my life because I made mistakes in my past and now God is punishing me. Because at some point in my life I believed the lie that God punishes me. And so I partnered with that, and so that's how I view reality. I partner with the idea that I don't like nuts in my dessert, you know? It just ruins it. Some people very much disagree with me, and that's okay. But when you go buy that fudge for us priests later, you know, it's in the narthex, you'll see. No, but really, like, we partner with ideologies or ideas in our life that they then progress to how I act in my life. So what do you partner with? Do you partner with the gospel? Do you partner with the gospel? This is what St. Paul says. I pray always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now. You see, what happens when we partner with the gospel? Do we get filled with the life or do we, believe, do we dread that I have to do something more? Sometimes I think we don't partner with Christ because we think that if in partnering with Christ, he's going to ask more of me than what I could handle. But that's just not true. That he's going to ask something of me that I'm not going to delight in. And that's not true. You see, God who created you, he knows your inward being. He's going to partner with you if you choose to partner with him. And your life will be, have a greater fulfillment than you would have imagined, than you could have hoped for. But let's just take for a moment two people who've partnered with God. Let's talk about our Blessed Mother. She partnered with God. How did she partner with God? Well, she gave him her fiat. Now, we know that the angel Gabriel didn't ask her a question. Sometimes we dumb this down to help children, and we say, Mary said yes to the angel Gabriel when angel Gabriel asked her if she would be God's son. Angel Gabriel never asked her a question. There was never a question in that, never a question mark. It said, Mary, you will conceive, you will conceive and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Is that a question? No, it's a statement. She said, fiat, let it be done to me according to your will. Why? Because she had already partnered with God, and he knew she had, he had her heart. So if, if that's the case, then when she partnered with the angel Gabriel's word, which is the gospel, the good news, the gospel means good news. When Mary partners and she says, fiat, let it be done unto me according to your, your word, she conceives Christ within her. And what is the penalty for a woman to be pregnant with somebody who is not her spouse? Stoning. She said fiat, knowing that the penalty in the human eyes was that she would be stoned to death, that her penalty for saying yes to God would be death, death. 
Death is the penalty for saying yes to God. Worldly death, but not heavenly. Because as Christians, we don't see like others see. Death isn't the end for us. So Mary says yes, and God plunges her into darkness, confusion. Nobody around her understands her. Joseph doesn't even understand her. He was going to quietly divorce her. You see, when we say yes to the gospel, we're often plunged into darkness. And we might, at that moment, think, well, how'd this happen? I just had an experience of God's goodness, of his grace. We may have gone on retreats, and we had a high, a mountaintop experience, and we think, wow, that was so amazing, and now I'm in darkness. I don't understand. God, why have you abandoned me? God, why did you do this? Why did you play with my heart? Why did you trick me? And so I partner with the lie that God has somehow done something marvelous, and then in the moment afterwards, he's forgotten about me. But that's not true. But I partner with it. Because I haven't yet partnered with the gospel. The gospel, the word of God that's living and active, it pierces more surely than a two-edged sword. The gospel that says that I will never abandon you, I will never forsake you, that even if you go through the valley of darkness, you fear no evil because I am at your side. That's the gospel, amen? The gospel allows me to go through darkness knowing that I'm not alone in the darkness. But let's talk about the darkness for a moment because that's what we're sort of in, the season of Advent. This darkness leading up. The Israelites who waited 400 years with no prophet, they were in darkness. Nobody was speaking about the coming of the Christ. But then in the darkness, in the desert, there comes a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. And who is that? John. Yeah. All right, we're listening. Excellent. <laughs> John the Baptist. But where did he hear the voice of the Lord? What does it say? During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. Excellent. Yeah. In the desert. It's in the darkness that I can hear the voice of God more clearly. It's in the desert that I can hear the voice of God because there's nothing distracting me. In fact, it's often in the darkness and in the desert that I feel God more. Why? Because it's there that I'm crying out to him more and saying, Lord, I need you. I have nothing to sustain me. My family's abandoned me. My job is on the fritz. My boss doesn't like me. My friends don't like me. Maybe I'm quarantined and I have no one around me to give me any sort of physical or emotional support. So what is it that we're in the desert for that we cry out and say, God, I need you? And he responds. Israel cried out and he responded to Mary. He responded to Israel, but through Mary. Do we partner with the gospel? Because sometimes I think we're afraid to partner with the gospel for fear of what it would cost us. But notice this, that when we partner with the gospel, I don't actually, my circumstances may not change, but the conviction of my heart changes, the conviction of my mind changes, so that I have the ability to go through any circumstance saying that I know that you will never abandon me, that although hell break its barriers upon me, I'm not afraid because I have Jesus Christ. That when I live with him, when I have him, I have no need to fear even death. When the world says, the world is coming down upon you, everything is disruption, everything is chaos, the politics are chaos, the church is chaos, 
Your priests are chaos. We're really wonderful. I know. But when the world says death, 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 because what we're surrounding ourselves with in the news, in the social media, then what happens is that I consume death, that I have no place for life. But when I have life first and foremost, then I look at all things and I say, bow at the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee must bend in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth. When I partner with the gospel, I come to a place and have to recognize that all these other things have no power over Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Because when I partner with the gospel, I come to believe the good news that he has all authority over heaven, over earth, and under the earth. So that when somebody comes to you and says, ah, it's depressing, isn't it, all the situations? I say, it's really not. Because I know that he's greater than it all. That I know the situation in our country. I know the situation of our church. I know the situation in my life may look bleak and discouraging. And some may say despairing. But if my partnership is with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I have no need to fear. I have no need to be afraid. At a funeral, we mourn and grieve because it's part of our humanity. And at the same moment, I have a rejoicing for the person who has gone before me because I know that they are with the person, he, that I love the most. It's a both and. That we have to live in this tension. Notice what happens with Mary. Mary says, yes, fiat, to the angel Gabriel. She's plunged into darkness. And she's carrying the word of life in her. So what is she going to believe when people come to stone her? Or Joseph says he's going to divorce her. Does she say, ah, you abandoned me, God. How could you? I thought we were on the same team. You even gave me this child. My goodness. Sound like some of your prayers. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens is that she remains consistent and faithful to the word that was spoken. Does she have the good feelings when she's about to be stoned or when Joseph is about to divorce her? No. But what is she confident about? That he will never abandon her. Because it was his promise. When God gives us a promise, now you may say, an angel hasn't come to me. No, but you know what you have? You have the freaking Bible. Yeah? Yeah, you have that in your house. <sighs> Blow the dust off of it. <laughs> Read it. What does Jesus say? It's his words. His the promise. His promise is greater than any word that an angel can come and tell you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Maybe we don't believe that because we want angels to come to us. But Jesus' word, which is living and active, it pierces more surely than a two-edged sword between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow. It has the ability to cut through 2,000 years of healing and blessing. You all have a Bible. Open it to the Gospels and just read a portion of what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep, which means you don't have to earn your way to heaven because he's already given it for you. Amen? Amen. It's not part of you that you have to figure it out. He wants to bless you with it. Amen? Amen. It's not on you to figure out how you're going to get to heaven or make your children get to heaven. It's on Jesus. Amen? Amen? Some of us still don't believe it. We still believe we're the Savior. We still believe we're the Messiah. But you have one Messiah and he's already come. His word is everlasting from age to age. The more we allow ourselves to be inundated with his word, the gospel, the good news, 
the more I'm going to look at what the world has to say and be like, meh, potato, potato. My God is bigger than that. When I look at the world, when I read the news, I have no need to fear because his word is greater. Amen? Amen. His word is greater than anything that this world could offer. And consider this. When Israel cried out and Mary conceived Christ, in the silence of the darkness of a little town, unbeknownst to anyone, there came the word, the voice of an infant. And that little voice broke through generations of silence to answer the cries of his people. When we cry out to God, he hears us. He responds to us. Even in the silence, in the darkness, is where we will hear his voice. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you as a church and we ask forgiveness for the times that we have disbelieved that you are with us, that you, that we believed or partnered with the lie that you've abandoned us, that if you really loved us, you wouldn't allow bad things to happen, that if you really loved us, you wouldn't allow our family members to get sick. If you really loved us, you wouldn't allow the horrible things that have happened to us, happen to us. We bind those to the foot of the cross and we submit them to the holy name of Jesus before whom they must bow their knee. And we ask that you would dissolve them and disperse them according to your will. And now, Lord, we want to proclaim the truth, the grace that you won in Scripture when John came in the darkness and the dark of night and the wilderness to say, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And Mary gave her fiat when she partnered with the angel Gabriel who spoke the word of life. You will conceive in your soul and bear a son in your body and you will name him Jesus. We pray for that grace to receive your word and to give life to you in this world, living in darkness. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.